the word geek is okay at a certain age because it just means you know stuff <laughs> about technology. You can fix internet problems around the house. You can, uh, you know, you you know how to unlock things. Um, iPhone and Samsung problems probably have a good grasp of that. It's better than being, you know, muscle bound where people just kind of go, yeah, he's got loads of muscles, but <laughs> today I'm talking to Chris. I worked with Chris in publishing a few years ago where I basically used to make excuses to come and talk to him because he he did what I wanted to do, which was uh, digital production. Uh, he was also a video editor. Uh, short filmmaker. You, do you still you used to have a TARDIS in your house, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, not that one behind me, but yeah, I do have a full size TARDIS. Yes. Okay. That is my claim to infamy. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Chris. Hi. Baz faces. True all stars. Thanks for having me, Baz. Um, bit overwhelmed, but here I am. See, this, see, we've kind of, and I want to say full circle, it's not full circle, I don't even know the terminology. So, I was overwhelmed by you when I met you, which I, you would say, and I, I imagine you would say you shouldn't have been. Yeah, that's exactly what, what I would say. You're right back at it. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, uh, interesting times, weren't they? But um, hmm. yeah, well, I kind of got to look up for my desk once in a while and... Yeah, and you were there, and uh, we'd have a good old natter, and yeah, it was, there were good, uh, good productive chats about stuff, about creative stuff. So yeah. I didn't get to do that that often, really, because you know I was kind of department of one for quite a while. But um, so yeah, it was good to have somebody take an interest. Yeah, would you would you deem yourself as a creative by nature? Yeah, def definitely. Yeah, I mean, because uh, some of the things, so your interests, uh, I mean, it's quite technical. Uh, it's quite technological. So, yeah. for instance. I know that I could start a conversation with you about, say, a Commodore 64, and we'd probably have... We're not going to do that now. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, yes, yes. Who did you know? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's spooky, man. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. I was going to say, and this bit is clearly going to be a video clip, um, This, <laughs> I was going to say... Um, you know, let's not buy into the stereotypes. Um, so I mentioned Commodore 64 <laughs> Too late for me. and you've got it there. I like yes. hip hop, got a Raiders shirt on. Yes, like, what we <laughs> I did, this is brilliant. There was, right, and you'll totally, totally appreciate this. I once, I, I think I was either selling something on something like Facebook Marketplace or, yeah, it was, it was something like that or it, somebody was picking up something that, we had sold, not drugs. Um, <coughs> and the dude who, so at the time, I think I was, it was just before I hit 40. And the dude who opened the door, he was roughly my age, had a Superman t-shirt on. <laughs> yes. I had a Batman t-shirt yes. on. Oh, yes. Very good. <laughs> so Very it was just good. like, and it was, I think it was around the time where it was like, <laughs> you know, the kind of Batman, Superman sort of movie mashup. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, right, well, we're fully grown men and we don't know any better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't, do we? I mean, that's, I think that's the thing. Like, um, yeah, I mean, we are just old kids at the end of the day. That's the way I see it. I also need to add, we both have hot wives as well. <laughs> like, yes. It's not like, yes. yeah, okay, and we're still living in an attic or a basement <laughs> and we're still... And, oh, you've got a lively dog. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, hey, man. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. So it's not like we and it's not like, you know, you, you go into that room and there's just wires and old modems everywhere. We actually, yeah. Yeah. It's okay to be a geek, is what I'm saying. It is. It is okay. And that actually, I've got no choice. That's just the way I'm built. <laughs> so, um, <yeah. laughs> in, um, in a pub situation, if you yeah. knock somebody's drink over, are you like, yes. let me buy you a new one? I'll buy you two. What's yes. your whole table? Yeah, I'm like that. Yeah, I'm like that. Yeah, definitely like that. I couldn't, um, couldn't. That's the thing because I think like it's there's too much being adults overrated, right? So that's the way I see it. Because yeah. it's just um, you know, what's the point if you can't be childish? Really, what's the point in growing up? But um, mm. uh, yeah, so being a geek is just part of my DNA, I suppose. It's sort of I grew up with all that stuff. So 
um, Star Trek on a Wednesday afternoon on BBC Two or whatever it was back in the 70s when I was a kid. But um, yeah, so yeah, I'm into all that stuff. I can't, can't leave You might mind. be able to help me with this. Yeah. I watched, um, I remember being a kid um, growing up and I watched an episode of an old Star Trek, which was, I think it was around 6pm on a BBC Two. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that was yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Be right, yeah. And they had this episode where I don't know what they were, but they were like these flying things. They, they, they and they looked like I can only <laughs> describe it as flat mozzarella. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I know the one. Right. So I'd watched that, and I yes. obviously, obviously from back then <clears> I had quite a vivid imagination. Um. And my mum served me one of those old school. Do you remember you used to get like 10 pizzas in a frozen bag? And it was like <laughs> yes. a circle and it was cheese yes. and tomato. And it was, it yes. was just like, you know, it was, it was nothing fancy. It was just like, you know, a bread base, some tomato sauce and probably some cheddar cheese. And she put that yes. in front of me and I was watching, I was watching this episode yes. where I'm thinking, isn't that the thing that's trying to attack Captain Kirk? Yeah, and it's on yeah. my plate and I, I literally... Like my mum left me to eat it, and I had to go and eat with it because I was scared. I was scared of my own pizza. <laughs> yeah, I do. I remember that. That's how much of a nerd I am. I remember that episode. So yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy. A I haven't yeah. been able to eat pizza. I'm joking. Look no, they are like flying yeah. tortillas. They're yeah, a bit odd, but uh, yeah, I mean that was good. It's all good stuff growing up at that that time. I think there's you know a lot of optimism in in sort of science fiction and geek culture. It wasn't really a thing, was it? I mean that's what we call it now, but mm. back then it was just culture. You know, stuff we watched and stuff we enjoyed, and uh, you know I think there's a kind of innocence to it all. Whereas before, you know, I think with things like Star Wars 1977 and onwards, the original sort of trilogy, they um, you know it, it got very serious and very fan. Uh, service uh, kind of franchise, I guess you could call it. Um, you know, for me anyway. You know, because I uh, that was a, a time before collectibles. You know how they they do like numbered collectibles now and stuff like that, and mm. you know action figures, and it's like one of a thousand, and they cost you know arm and leg. Back then, you just bought the toys, right? You just asked for them for Christmas and got them, and they were just toys. And yeah. that's the kind of innocence you know, that I liked back then. I think is a lot of stuff now is taken a bit too seriously. So. I was given. I, I was I went around to my uncle's house and he house shared with obviously his girlfriend and her brother, mm. <clears throat> and I was given a load of Star Wars figures. So we're talking Han Solo, Darth yes. Vader, um, the, the the orange dude with the yellow eyes. <laughs> um, orange dude got a cone head. I, I don't know. Okay, he looks like a brown head. lizard. I, I, yeah. Oh, is he one with a towel around his... I, have, I can't remember. Oh, I can't yeah. But yeah, all, all this stuff. And um, so naturally I put Tipex on them, uh, broke <laughs> a leg, had a C-3PO. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I wish, so those are original, like, those are toys from, from that era that I was given. Yeah. They are landfill now. Yeah. Probably mm. was sitting on a fortune, didn't they? Yeah. Totally. And that's the sad thing. I think like what you were saying earlier about like geeks, you know, being trapped in the loft with loads of old modems and stuff like that. There are geeks that out there, obviously they didn't play with them, kept yeah. them in the boxes and they're all gathering dust. And it's like, wow, you know, it cost me, you know, cost my dad like nine quid back in 1978. And now yeah. it's worth, now it's worth 300 quid. Ooh. But I'm like, you couldn't put a price on the childhood. You could have had playing with the no. toy, you know? Yeah. Um, Absolutely. You know, I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of that. I've got a few collectible things, but, um, that's more to remind myself of my childhood. You know, I've rebought things that I've since lost. I didn't play with them originally, but like rebought them for, you know, sort of nostalgia's sake. This is the bit where I'll go, Bass Face is true old stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I listened to your, your last episode and I'd noticed you put the um, the next time bit on the end. I was like, wow, that was that's quick Don't say oh, anything I'm interesting because I went... Oh, sorry, right, okay. sorry. <laughs> right. Okay. No, but yeah, that, that was that's actually a homage to you. So that's that's geek trivia. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I won't say it, just, you, you know. <laughs> if, if it ever gets, like, like huge, I'll be like, and then yeah. Kristen said, who is episode whatever, oh my said, God. why don't you put a trailer at the end? So now they're called <laughs> the Chris Trails. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're powered by geekdom, yes. Baz Faces, true all-stars. So... Were you into Samantha Fox 
or you're Linda Lusardi. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> Sam Fox. Well, yeah, clearly. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> so we talk. So we talk about growing up. Um, were you born and raised in Lincolnshire or somewhere? No, in, in, in Cambridgeshire. Um, so I grew up in the country. Um, you know, nice. I'm not really a city sort of guy. Um, so and I'm still not. So um, yeah, I, I, I did. I had a good um, good childhood. Good. Uh, lot of good memories good school life um a lot of good friends um you know i'm not one of those people that sort of says well you know school i didn't really like it or i you know sort of hated it or uh had big problems there i suppose i was lucky i you know i wasn't really bullied or anything i had a few run-ins like all kids do but um but yeah i I did i really it's probably one of the best times of my life that sort of education um period i'm not that i'm kind of like some sort of um, uh, yes, okay. I'm a geek and I like detail and stuff like that, but I'm not really. Um, I'm not that academic. I mean, I have been academic and I mm. can do it if that makes sense. But as a person, I like to keep things simple. <laughs> funnily enough, so yeah, uh, yeah. No, I, t- I totally get that. Um, was was school like a? <clears throat> it was a good hangout. Yeah. Socially. Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, all of it was was really good i mean i suppose um sort of adult perspective now it's a little bit a little bit uh sort of sad because you know you do leave friends behind don't you, you mm. as you grow up and um you know university is really the start of that i think um you, know, you go off to uni everybody goes off to different unis um that whole classic thing where you might see each other you know summer break um mm. you know i used to go to like a beer festival and help up with people um but you know that sort of fades away and then people get married and they move to different places and yeah, all of a sudden you do find yourself one of those people you didn't expect to be where you're kind of like nearly 50 um, and going, looking around going, yeah, actually I sort of count on my friends on one hand. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because I, I don't really think that, you know, like the Facebook generation, you know, you collect friends like they're sort of like collecting yeah. cards or something. Um, you know, and I'm not like that. I tend to, um, I, I prefer like face-to-face, or, which is difficult during these times, but I, I tend to prefer, you know, speaking to people face-to-face, um, um and just meeting people and you know i think there's a lot lost on social media because you know you're not quite sure what people are saying when they if it all depends on how good they are at writing what they think i suppose well people use um <clears throat> it's, it's all about the statement so it's uh mm. you know the, there's the headliner where where people kind of go i can't believe this has happened and then like 10 people are like, what's happened, babe? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then there's there's the kind of, um, I find it like, especially, I mean, we use Facebook as, as an example. And it was like, okay, such and such. I'll look at their photos, see what they've been up to, um, see what they're up to now. Or oh, I went to school mm. with them. I'll look at their photos, see what yeah. they've been up to. Yeah. Uh, and you do the sort of obligatory, hey, how's it going? How are you doing? All right. Yeah, cool. We should hang out sometime. Yeah. And you never do like 20 years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. But, but now it, it's like you turn on Facebook and it's like, you should be doing this. Yeah. You should be doing. And it's like, and, and I often feel the people who are making these huge statements, all they're doing is turning into their circle and going, mm-hmm. you, 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 you should be doing this. And it's like, oh, all right. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Maybe turn that outwards and maybe, you know, mm. release a video into the wild or go yes. on Twitter and shout into the yeah. open air. But it, it always feels like I'm being told off by somebody. Yes. Or somebody is trying to, you know, I may be guilty of it. I, 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 I mean, crikey. I, um, the only time I really got really, really sort of personal was, um, Black Lives Matter, because yeah. I thought actually, you know, and, and, and I've addressed this in, in previous casts. I was like, you know, maybe there's stuff I didn't do as a black person, uh, or you know, this is what has happened to me. Rah, rah, rah. Yes. And I thought it was important for me to do that because, um, you know, I, the, the phrase I get often is, uh, "But you know, you're not like others. You're not like other black people." And it's like, ah, actually, I am. So anyway, mm-hmm. we'll put. We'll put put that to bed because we've addressed that before and I am celebrating you um, <laughs> and the rest Gosh. of your clan members. That's more than no. <laughs> no. Uh, and um, yeah, it, it just, it just feels a little kind of, uh, it just feels like it's like a little stink. 
yeah, like, yeah. yeah i mean i use it to, to promote stuff but yeah how do you because you kind of come off of it every so often don't you yeah i have done i have yeah. done i found it a bit um i have found it claustrophobic at times um for that reason um that actually <sighs> Do you remember the old days before this where, where, where you all, if you got together with a friend or, you know, maybe you had an acquaintance that became a friend um, and, you know, sometimes we'd actually say out loud, remember, no politics, no religion, right? Because hmm. as soon as you hit the politics and religion, you know, people's relationships start to get different, start, start to change. Um, yeah. People start judging uh, each other. And, um, and I think these, particularly these times are hard to sort of live through if you're, if you're like a little bit like me or you, you, you just feel sensitive to all those things, because um, I, I know people that have lost people because of political spats on, on mm. Facebook. Um, and I'm just thinking, well, you know, you're not actually talking to each other now. You're talking to a, a kind of semblance of each other that the other person is imagining, you know, uh, oh, that's that, that's a person, that's a left wing person, that's a right wing person, mm. that's somebody who believes in this or that's somebody who believes in that. And I, I think, in contrast, I, I sort of come from that age of, you know, early 80s when I was growing up a teenager, mid 80s, um, where alternative humour was actually alternative humour. And, yeah. you know, and, and now actually um, everybody's so easily offended. I just don't think a lot of that stuff like The Young Ones, Blackadder. I mean, that's the stuff really funny, I think. Um, now, let's choose this a second. Yes. And, and obviously, you know, I, I, I agree with what you're saying, but I've been, you know, you know, I watch a lot of uh, videos, you know, because everybody's a content creator now. Mm. So everybody has the ability to put forward an objective opinion. Was stuff back in the day offensive? <laughs> and we just mm. didn't say anything? Mm. Or is it now being perceived as offensive? Yeah. Now that is a, that's a really good question. And, I, and I'm not talking yeah. about like, you know, the love thy neighbours and the... Oh, wow. <laughs> and all that no, stuff. That's pretty yeah, about, so. <laughs> you know, I mean, especially stand-up, where you yeah. kind of go, I, I say this and I find the humour in it. And yeah. it's like, yeah, but in that joke, 10 people died, but mm. thousands of people have laughed at that one. So mm. is, it, is, it, is it we are, as a people, becoming more uptight? Yeah, um, I do think so. I mean, I do think that, um, I think the thing is context and the intent is mm. what's behind all that. Um, you know, and there's lots of great stand-up comedians, um, you know, that do a, do a great job. You know, I, I like comedy, but stand-up, yeah, it's, it's okay. But um, some of the comedians, yeah, they think they take it too far because actually the joke is at somebody's expense and actually it's not very funny. So it seems to me a lot of that, again, has become politicised, you know, it's kind of a, well, let's just mention Donald Trump. Let's lock Trump in there and we'll get a nice big laugh from people that agree with me. Well, I'm looking at it from the point of view of comedy. I'm like, well, actually, but was it a funny joke? Hmm. You know, if you're just swearing and putting somebody's name in that's topical at the time, is that funny? And okay, you might get people laughing through gritted teeth as they, ah, yes, I agree with that. Um, but is it comedy? So I'm, I actually like more sort of old school comedy where, you know, if there is a victim, it's it's either the person in the in the scene, you know, which is a bit easier to get across um, rather than stand up. Um, you know, if you've got an episode of The Young Ones or, yeah. or any of those things, Black Addy, you know, you can clearly see Baldrick is a victim, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's a victim a lot of the time. They're, but, you know, they're very, yeah. very um, exaggerated as well. Yeah. Uh, but like, I think um, it was clearer, especially with, you know, that era, like the Hugh Laurie and... Yeah. Um, Stephen Fry, uh, Rowan Atkinson, Ben Elton, mm. they were, their, their jokes were very, they were surreal, but very, very over. So it's like, this is yeah. so funny because it could be real, but it really can't be real. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think that the kind of line has sort of come closer to the edge yes. where it's like, actually, that's a little bit like <clears throat> I was watching a, it's like, I love Frankie Boyle. I think he's hilarious. And mm -hmm. I get what he does. Yeah. And it was like, and he made a joke about the McGann's. And it's like, you know, the, you know, how Madeleine McGann. Yes. And, and I thought, okay, it was funny. But what if you are one of the McGann's? Do you find that funny? And that's mm -hmm. where I'm like, I, I'm, yeah. un, I'm unsure where, yeah. where the line is now. Yeah. No, I do. I know exactly where you're coming from. I mean, mm. uh, I think that kind of topical, let's, let's use real people as a kind of uh, a springboard for a, for a joke. 
I mean, I, like I said, I always roll it back and think, is the joke funny? You know, mm. could you substitute that example, that springboard of using that person? And would it still work? Is it still worthy of the joke? And I think that's, you know, it, to go back to kind of like, you know, entertainment, uh, comedy shows like, like Blackadder is a good example, but, um, you know, everybody has a flaw. So actually you're laughing at them and, and with them sometimes. So, you know, as, as Blackadder treats Baldrick, we're kind of, you know, laughing at, at the fact that, like you said, he's exaggerated. Uh, Baldrick is extremely stupid beyond belief. Yeah. Uh, but Blackadder, you know, he's, he's a great flaw in his character because he's, yeah, you know, he's, um, he's not, he's not able to see that he's got faults as well. You know, he, he, he always fails because he just doesn't, he doesn't, you know, account for everything. Um, so it's, it's fun to yeah. laugh at people's weaknesses, but I think within a context um, that kind of makes sense, it doesn't really have a real world victim as, as such. Is that, does that make sense? That I'm makes a lot of sense. Baz Faces, true all-stars. Before you got into editing videos or producing any media, yeah, um, where we? What was the journey up to that? How did you fall into that? Yeah, um, yeah, falling into it's probably the right, <laughs> the right phrase. And where did your influences come from? Okay, you mean creative influences? Yeah, or just work, yeah. work ethic. Um, mm, both. Well, yeah, work ethic wise, I've always been like this. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of wired to work that way. I'm always overdoing stuff, overthinking stuff, overworking stuff, mm. um, trying to rein myself in to try and get to a point where I can actually deliver something. <laughs> um, that's always a big challenge. Um, but yeah, I think, um, well, I started out doing traditional media, so I was like illustrator, you know, but also writing um, and also a bit technical, which is kind of how I end up where I am, I suppose. But um, so, yeah, so I've always been into, you know, watercolours, pencils, illustration. I used to want to be a children's book illustrator and that sent me down a certain path from A-levels onward. Um, so I went from there to Cambridge to do a year um, art and design course, um, which was more, more or less like a gap year, really, but it was interesting. Yeah. Um, and I went from there. I, while I was there, I got into video because I've been doing video stuff in the background at school, things like that. I made a couple of corporate stuff, videos. Um and then um, I did. Then I went on to Manchester to do TV and film production. Oh wow! Which at that stage was um, actually in Capital Theatre, which had an actual TV studio in it, which I think was used. I think it was ABC was the channel or, or something like that back in the day. Um, so they had the original cameras and the dollies and the lighting rig and everything. Yeah. So um, that was a great course to do at that time. We shared a building with actors as well, so there were some good actors that, that were there. I think um, Olivia Coleman was there while I was there. Wow. Uh, he was, yeah, I mean, she's gone on to big things, isn't she? Unlike me. Um, so, uh, yeah. Hey, so she, you're an all-star. Come well, on I, Well, this is, a, <laughs> I, this is a proper highlight, really. Um, I, you know, still still amazed and sort of, uh, you know, I've got imposter syndrome big time uh, being mm. asked. But, um, but yeah, so here I am. But, um, yeah, so that was, that was an interesting course. Um, and then I went from there into corporate videos, um, did a few bits, um, broadcast sort of helping out really that sort of thing um and then um from there i got into digital uh yeah. stuff because that was really taking off so i had a friend from school who contacted me um while i was still working in, up in yorkshire uh, for tv um and he said look I, you know i'm into i'm doing this internet thing and uh, you know i've got i've got a few things going and uh, i'm too busy i need a holiday do you want to come and help me out and I said, well okay so i went I, I went to where he lived and um and learned a bit of coding, which was weird for me, but did it. Um, and then while I was there, Photoshop had really taken off, and, and also art tablets had taken off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that to me was the was the big the big difference because I you know click click with the mouse to to do to do illustration doesn't really do it for me. But yeah, the, the pens. Um, and then I started getting into animation and flash and things like that. And then we started a company, and then before you know it, you know we had a fair sized company, sort of twenty five people and. It was too big. It was too big for me. Um, and it was more technical than creative. So really, even though it was an interesting journey, um, you know, starting a company is very interesting, very challenging, especially with a friend. Yeah. You're still a friend, which is, you know, and not all business partners can say that. No. Um, um, and uh, yeah, and so from there, I, weirdly, I actually resigned from my own company. <laughs> <laughs> so it's setting the pattern for the rest of my life. I, just, I quit. I just yes. don't know who to tell. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I can't yeah. take this anymore. Um, yeah, it's the management's fault. Yeah. 
so yeah, so I did. Um, but I left while it was still going, um, and uh, I went to the uh, script writing course because I was creatively frustrated. You know, I was kind of like, I've got to do something that isn't to do with websites, isn't to do with web development um, of any kind, um, and all the management stuff that I was doing in the background that nobody else could wanted to know or could know yeah um so really i became a kind of um it was an odd time for me because you know i had all these people coming in and out of the building you know i'm in, in business with a friend um and you know more than half of them way more than half of them were, were technical you know techie people that that i never really managed and and you know it was i was a kind of stranger in my own company because they didn't know what i did yeah. i didn't really know what they did and a lot of what I was doing was like contractual stuff and boring stuff to do with legal and accounts and things that really, you know, you can't really say, hey, look, this is what I've been doing all day. Um, and so, yeah, it was pretty lonely, odd. So you got alienated time. in your own house, yeah. so to speak. Oh, yeah. Oh, completely, yeah. yeah. Um, so I thought, look, I, I was literally going crazy. I was, oh, I'm going to do the script writing course. So I went to do screenwriting because obviously t- film TV, yeah. big part big part of my life. Um did that masters at Norwich, um, and yeah, and then after that, I was you know that sort of overlapped with the job that I was doing in the same place as you, mm-hmm. um, a little bit, um, and yeah, and the rest is sort of history. That is that is the greatest potted history of somebody's <laughs> oh, career. I've because 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 that how how long what. What um, what's the word I'm looking for? What span of life was that? How many years was that? That was uh, oh god yeah um, that was nineteen oh god nineteen eighty nine to two thousand and nine. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was. So sixty five years. <laughs> yeah, but it feels like it. <laughs> somebody throws two numbers at you and you're like, yeah, so that's like twenty eighteen. But, yeah. yeah yeah so yes. but it, it seems like i mean you know from hey that seems like you know continual motion that's like yeah. okay this and it you know at the time it probably you know there's every hour that you live through and it probably that's an age for you yeah that's an yes. era if you like but yeah. that's that's a lot of things to achieve in that time yeah um, so that's is. a lot of experiences yeah. to have in that yeah. time um, were you somebody who, for instance, I mean, I, I still do this. Were you somebody who just didn't go to bed um, until it was like, <laughs> yeah, I, I can squeeze it like a five-hour sleep? Were you that type? A little bit, yeah. I mean, mm. I do. I'm one of those people. I'm not a morning person, and uh, I'm and I can't survive on you know less than sort of seven hours or eight hours sleep. Mm. So I've never been able to do it, but I have done it, and I've paid the price for it. So yeah. yeah. I have definitely done that. Um, I remember we worked, I worked th- six hours without sleep once, and that was wow. on a video shoot, which nearly killed me. It was like, uh, and I, I, it was a shoot in Scotland, and it was something to do with railways. Um, Where you need to stay on your toes, I'm just saying. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Like not yeah. be having surreal, like fatigue messing with your head. No, exactly. Yeah. And, wow. um, and I think it was like by the 28th hour or something. And then the reason we were doing it was because we had to film at night time because the trains would obviously be running in the day, right? So we had to film it at night. So um, I had this really bizarre experience where I'm standing, I'm standing around with, you know, a lot of camera stuff and I've got a, a camera assistance jacket and I've got batteries loaded everywhere. Mm. Um, you know, and all the rig and that was big, big back then. And I knew where we were, but I sort of came to in the middle of the night because you know you go into a kind of dream state where you're not yeah. really thinking straight. And I'm like, I look, I just remember with this really vivid memory of like waking up and looking around and going, oh my God, I'm standing in a railway tunnel with floodlights with people all digging up the track in Scotland in the middle of the night. <laughs> what yeah, am I wow. doing here? I was so disorientated and uh, it was really weird. Now, I've only got sort of, I know that I've, Toward Scotland, basically, but I don't remember any of it. No, <laughs> so, so tired. Baz faces true all stars. After your hectic life mm. as a media guru, uh, all that experience you accumulated, <laughs> you obviously in the meantime get married yeah. and have kids. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Chris, what do you do now? 
Wow, that is a tough question. That's the toughest question you've asked me. Um, and I'll try and explain it. Um, so, um, only give I, me as much as you want to give me as well. Yeah, yeah. no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm comfy, comfortable um, sort of letting you know stuff. Um, it's been a little while since we've chat, chatted properly, isn't it? So, mm. uh, but yeah. Um, so, I I left the job that we first met in, um, and I decided to sort of go freelance. I wanted to do something different. Yeah. Um, I'd sort of had enough of filming. Uh, motorhomes and stuff like that you know it's just it's starting to get to me um and again it's a similar sort of thing as you know what happened to my own company i was like you know i was getting creatively frustrated and and that wasn't good it wasn't good for me or good for the work and um, did you have a um look it's a flipping caravan <laughs> like it's a caravan it's a <laughs> yes, motorhome yeah look, yes. look, what more do you want yes yeah. Mm. Yes, I did. And, I, and yeah, and in fact, um, I was out in the car one, early one morning with a really good guy I used to work with called Peter. And, and, uh, and we were on our way to some sort of motorhome event launch thing. And it was like, you know, a two or three hour drive. And we're driving there and I, I turned to him and I said, um, so uh, what can we expect to find? You know, just clue me in. What, what are we going to be filming today? What's the big differences between what we filmed last year and this year? And he said, well, in the model we're going to be filming, the, there's a USB port in it now. <laughs> and I was like, okay, all right. So how do I make how do I make a DVD a forty five minute DVD about a USB port? That so. was like when <laughs> when they launched the iPhones and they said, um, so well, what's the big difference between the last one? And they went uh, waterproof. Yeah. <laughs> yes, like, contested. What, what, what? Who's using their phone in the sea? Like, yes. why is yes. this? A, why is this the selling point? <laughs> Yeah, no, it is. And that, and that is the sort of level of it. So yeah, anyway, um, yeah, so how do you make a 45-minute DVD out of, out of that kind of tiny change? Um, and, you know, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm sort of laughing it up a bit. But, uh, but it did feel like that, like, you know, how the hell am I going to make this exciting for anybody? Um, and it was, I was scraping the barrel. I just couldn't, I, there was, I couldn't pull any more tricks out of the bag. And you saw some of the work that I was doing there. And it was like, yeah. I was like, in the end, I was like, I was literally adding explosions and stupid stuff to things just to make it something different. Although I can't keep doing that. Um, is, that so, is, this, you know, is this the new Bruce Willis? Like, is he making a comeback? <laughs> no, this is just, just a motorhome with a USB port. Yeah, it's it's the one made with caravans. Yeah, <laughs> you have to keep the engine running. Yeah, yes, and it uses yeah. all your fuel. Yeah, you have to do a three-point turn with the caravan attached. Wow, <laughs> Bruce Willis. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, so I did. I, I had to move on. So I thought I'm going to do because um, writing was always my thing in the background. You know, that's why I did the script writing course, and and I was invited to um, collaborate with two of the writers uh, for um, Wilbur Smith the author's, his agent, on an adaptation of his book, Elephant Song. Mm. Um, and it was too good for me to turn down. It's like, oh, this is brilliant. You know, this is actually, you know, a commercial thing. I'm, I'm actually writing for a writer, not, not, not just doing it on spec, you know, hoping somebody picks it up. Um, so we went down to London. I had a great year. It was like a year to write a screenplay. Um, and a lot of it was ad- adapted from the book. And, and you know, half the book we threw away, which made us all very nervous because, you know, we're sending off our draft when it was done to the to yeah, Smith, yeah. and you're sort of thinking, "Wow, is he going to go? You've you've wrecked my masterpiece!" Um, and he loved it. Um, and so that still is still there. It's it's one of those projects that um, unfortunately didn't get made into a mid-budget film. Um, we were very close. We had a producer on board and things like that. But as as happens in the entertainment industry, things sometimes fall through, and it fell through for a number of reasons. But the primary one was um, the books about elephant. Um, uh, it's about ivory, black ivory trade. Um, mm. And at the time that became very topical. In fact, some of the things we wrote about actually became, came true. You know, we'd made it up and it came true in the news next week, like how oh, they wow. were smuggling stuff. Um, so we wrote, well, that was like based in Tanzania and things like that. Um, and um, and Angelina Jolie and I think, um, oh, what's his name? I can't remember his name now. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, you can, it, well, hold it, on, hold on. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Right, why why is that a reach, Chris? I don't like, know. It's not I like, like yeah, what, what's her name? What's her name? What's her name? Uh, Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's like that. I was about to Where's read off all the films he's been in. I probably could have done that. 
it's like Titanic, Romeo and Juliet, uh, yeah. Inception. I can't put my finger on yes. the... Who's <laughs> the bloke on the, on the boat in, in that film where it sinks? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> um, yes, he has a production company of his own. I think she does as well. But at the time, they jumped on that bandwagon and, and it was literally, we were so close. We had this Academy Award winning producer lined up. Mm. It was great. It was all going to go. And then they came and said, we're going we're gonna to make a film about that. And, you know, if you've got a mid-budget film uh, and you're waiting the wings or, and then you've got a, a big-budget film that's you know, going to be made imminently, um, you know, what do you do? Well, who do you back? You don't back the small guy. You, you wait for the big one to come out and then you ride on his coattails. Yeah. The big ones never came out. So oh. it's still there. Um, I don't know what will happen to it if it ever does. But, I'm, but, you know, it doesn't really matter because I'm just proud of having done it. You know, it was a great year, really creative year, just sat around with people uh, focused on one one thing which which I absolutely love um you get lost in the world the characters live live in your mind um you know and, you, and the writing becomes pleasurable so um so that was part of the reason why I left as well um and then the next thing I did was struggle basically um I uh almost immediately after I left the company where we we'd met um I had a problem with my legs I couldn't get up um it got to a point sort of a few months later I was getting helped out of chairs um didn't know what was wrong with me basically a year and a half later and I'd had needles stuck in my legs they were looking for degenerative nerve disease and uh, just ran the sort of gamut of things that could possibly be doing this to me um and luckily for me you could say um it turned out to be something that really wasn't that serious but it was impacting me quite badly yeah. and it was inflammation of the tendon linings um not the tendons the linings so I'd actually get swellings and be um, very very painful I couldn't even put my socks on that sort of thing heavy duty so um so I embarked on a kind of a crazy fitness plan because I wanted to lose some weight so I was carrying less weight um started going to the gym sort of 12 hours a week 12 and a half hours a week ish um really I did lose a lot of weight and I got myself better um mm. which was the main thing and then towards the end of that period um I was struggling to know what to do I thought <clears> what do I do because I'm I've kind of I'm sort of cursed with this, like I can do a lot of things. Um, you know, I'm a creative, I'm a writer, I'm a technical person. Um, there's a few things, good things that I'm not. <laughs> I'm no good at maths. But, um, but you know, um, I can do these things. So the difficult thing for me is what do I do? And I sat around and thought, I know what I'll do. I'll, I'll do everything. I'll do it all. Mm. You know, why not? I'll find a job where I'll do it all. And, also, I was just yeah. going to post that speech on yes. LinkedIn until you said... <laughs> I'm no good at maths. So now it's like, look at this, guys. I'm recommending this guy for work. Yeah, I'm no good at maths. And actually, <laughs> exactly. yes. prone to stabbing teachers. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yes, and you yeah. know. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, so, um, so I did. Uh, and this yeah. is a lesson in be careful what you wish for, because I, did, I got what I wished for. I, um, I basically took on a job which was in, in heritage, um, uh, broadly speaking. Um, and, um, and the job was everything. So I might as well have signed up to, you know, I might as well have read the job ad as, you know, want to be a dog's body and never see your family ever again and do absolutely everything and get no praise for it, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but there were quite a lot of people there that did appreciate what I did and uh, did give me praise for it and did support me. And, and that was really good. Um, and I needed it because I was just working really hard. I was like running all the social media channels, all of them, um, doing the schedule, um, creating all the content, doing the press releases, doing um, logo design. I designed mm. a, bu a book for them, full colour book, um, all the posters, print, all the ads, um, also ticketing system, um, also tech support for all the tills. Uh, I was all over the place. Yeah. Um, it was a serious challenge. And, um, and I, I like to think that I did, I did my very best um, to do that. Um, and, but it was a tough, tough job. Um, the toughest job I've had um, and not well paid, you know, the pay wasn't really that important. I just wanted to be useful. Yeah. And I, I wanted to use my skills. And, do uh, you yes, feel being multi-skilled, especially mm. in an area like media and technology, yeah. you're, work somewhere and you'll get spread thin because people go oh you can do that can you mm -hmm. yes. yes yes as soon as they know 
you're done. You're kind of, yeah. Spread too thin is a really good way of saying it because yeah. um, that is literally what happens. You basically, you, you have, you have this uh, skill set you can, you can reach into and, and grab things out of. But I think one of the things that people don't really understand about creatives, and I, I think you'll, you'll get this bad with your background, um, is, that, is that when you're a creative, it's not something you turn on and turn off. It's a journey of its own. Uh, you can sit down as a creative and be unproductive for a whole day mm-hmm. because it's just not happening. And then another day it will. And actually every interruption it, within that process is a, is a big problem sometimes. You're kind of like, well, if you're going to ask me to do six other things, this piece of work's definitely going to suffer because I, I'm mid-flow with it. You know, Chris, this is every single job you've just described me yeah. having. I'm like, yeah. I can't just pigeonhole. And, you know... So sometimes it's like, okay, well, we need to do this. And it's like, mm. I think sometimes as a creative, just to go on the other side of the of the fence, if you like, it's like you could just do the minimum. So mm. I think also being a creative, you can be a victim of your own perfection. Oh, God, yeah. 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 But yeah. I totally yeah. get it. You can't, and I've explained this to people. It's like, I've said sometimes my best my most productive time of the day is like 9 p.m. Yeah. Because, you know, there's, there's yeah. no child, there's no uh, <laughs> interruptions. And it yeah. is, I was trying to edit something the other day and it kept, people kept, somebody sent me a message that just says, this is during work and went, all right, mate. And I just replied, get to the point. <laughs> Brilliant, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With, no, with I, a I laughing do. emoji... You know, but <laughs> it was like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you, you have to, because it, it's almost like um, your creative brain is, is, is a separate entity almost, you know, to sound a bit schizophrenic about it. You know, you, you have a thought process that is in its own world. Hmm. Uh, it's similar for me with script writing. You enter that world and, and to make it, uh, to, to bring it to life, you have to have that freedom and, uh, and things that encroach on it. You know, I think it can make, and me included, it can make creatives grumpy <laughs> because, you, you know, you have to follow those thoughts through. Otherwise, it kind of drives you mad. Like, but I, also, I to finish it. Yeah. Your, your creative process is years of your brain training itself to understand how you think. And mm. I think the best quote I've, I've seen about, like especially with digital design as well, is you're not paying me for my time. You're paying me for my years of experience. Totally. Totally, and it's yeah. like, and people, uh, uh, you know, and people kind of say, well, how do you do a podcast? <coughs> and it's like, well, mm-hmm. there's no notes. Yeah. I, I have this, I have where I want to go in my head, but I've had yeah. it in my head for 16 years. It's only yeah. now that I can apply it somewhere. Yeah. I understand that as well. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, what you've done, like I mentioned uh, when we were speaking earlier, um, you know, what you've done and the reason that I, you know, I, I found your podcast to begin with and listened to it was because I like podcasts. I listened to quite a few um, and, you know, it came up enough. And I've always toyed with the idea, oh, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, to do something. And so the fact that you're actually doing it and doing it well and actually, you know, having a good, good crack at this and doing it professionally is you know, I admire you for it because it's, it's not something I feel ready to do, but that journey that you've taken to get to that point is a, is a really valid creatives journey. And I think that people like technical people, like programmers, maybe don't, don't get that because they, you know, you can only build code in your head for so long before it's outdated. Whereas your idea for this, you know, you can't be outdated. It's, it's, it's all right. It's come of age as such. Which is why when you do yours, Chris, it's going to be like, whoa, (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. No, I don't know what to talk about other than TARDISes and uh, the USS Enterprise and whatever else. But um, yeah, but uh, so, so yeah, with, um, where did I get to with the, with the work thing? Oh um, yeah. So I, I, we were talking I, about being spread thin and yeah, creative spread processes. Thin. And yeah, that's right. So yeah. um, yes. So with that particular job, um, uh, I, 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 I was spread too thinly and I was getting very tired. Um, and you know, something happened then, which was really difficult. And I think I told you about it. I can't remember about it. Um, but I, while I was there, I wasn't quite right. And actually, when I think back now, I'd realised I wasn't quite right for a little while. Yeah. Um, and including back to Warner's days. Um, 
and I won't go into it in that much depth, but basically um, I, uh, well, it's really difficult for me to talk about. Um, I, so take your time, man. Yeah, I, um, I, okay. I've listened to the podcast that you've done um, and people have these amazing journeys and real challenges and I've, mm. I've come off lightly by comparison. Um, I think I was probably thinking about Kayla as well, maybe episode one, mm. I can't remember. Because that, that's, you know, the things that people have to put up with with their health and things is really difficult. So for me, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not waving a flag going, oh, poor me. It's just, well, it's Chris, just how no, it Nobody me. knows that. And, and you can mm. only live your own life. Yeah. yeah. So what might be a struggle to you may not be a struggle to anybody else, but mm. vice versa. They might yeah. find something really, really hard to deal with or cope with in, and be in a situation um, whereas you might find it easy. <coughs> um, yeah. And yeah, that's so, a fair point. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, <clears throat> and, and just to reiterate, and, and this is, you know, it's slightly weird to do on a podcast, but um, it's like I picked you for this podcast, not because you're my mate, not because you're somebody I looked up to, but it's because I know you have gone through some challenges and you've come out and you're doing positive stuff. Yeah, And those challenges, yeah. you know, they may have held you back or they may have chucked you onto a different path, mm. but you're still, you're not bitching about it. You know, you know what I mean? You know, yes. you know, and you know, to go back to social media, I know somebody who yeah. just moans. It's like, oh, <laughs> uh, it's like, this is, your feed is just moaning. It's like, you know, yeah. and for me, the challenges they have probably don't even come near the challenges you had. Yeah. Or currently I, have. Yeah. No, that is a good, a good way of putting it. Um, mm. you, you know, you're not really, really sure how you're going to react to things until they happen. And, and, mm. um, and um, so for me, what happened was um, I was in London um, with a day out for the family. I think we'd gone to see a music thing at the Royal Albert Hall, actually. It was a present. It was a gift to us. And, mm-hmm. um, and we were there and I, and I hadn't, I, would, I felt awful. I felt strange on that day and I didn't know why. And like I was saying, um, you know, with what happened next, it explained a lot going back a number of years. Um, and ultimately, I found a lump in my throat. Mm-hmm. Um, on right about here uh in my neck um and it scared the hell out of me um and i i yes i have i'm i'm an anxious person i have anxiety um that's been a challenge as well throughout most of my life also um, a key ingredient yeah. to being a creative just saying just saying. yes totally yeah yes completely that inner critical voice is actually killing yes yeah. um so uh so panic stations um it was quite quite large um and I went through the machinery that, you know, most people are probably aware of. So I had a biopsy, things like that. Um, and luckily for me, you know, uh, I had, I elected to have it removed. So I had half my thyroid out. Mm. Um, and, um, and it wasn't cancer. Um, and so for me, the difficulty, and most people would find that journey a little bit difficult, I'd imagine, um, you, your family and all things go through your mind. But, um, but for me, the difficult thing about it was that because I, my background was in anxiety, particularly health anxiety, mm. um, you put yourself through probably double what you should do because you convince yourself it's this, you wonder about that, um, the thoughts fly off. Um, it, and I was a wreck, an absolute mess. Um, mm. And I didn't really deserve to be that much of a, of a mess. You know, I realise that now because I, you know, that was my anxiety um, taking over. But... Uh, you know, it's probably understandable why and how that happened. Um, and then, um, so at this point, I was still in that particular job, which was really tough. Um, and I asked, you know, for time off for the operation and things, and, and they all supported me, uh, barring one person, they all supported me. Um, and so I went on holiday to recover from the operation. Um, and we're on Isle of Wight, uh, you know, sort of um, cabin sort of place. Um, and my son... Um, had a massive seizure Mm. um, and he'd had headaches um, and we'd had an MRI scan and things he'd had headaches for a number of years um, migraines but it was always a query you know a question mark are they really migraines Uh, he was investigated and things like that but anyway um, he had this big seizure and his lips turned blue and yeah so I ran off 
uh, to meet the ambulance to guide them to where we were. Um, so at this particular yeah. point, Chris. Yeah. Right. This is. Um, yeah. You're a dad. Yeah. Mm. One of your kids' lips has just turned blue. What goes through your mind? I was. I went into well. At the time, I went into automatic pilot. Uh, yeah. I, I just ran. I ran to get, meet the ambulance. I called the ambulance. I couldn't remember where we were because he remembers where they are when they're on holiday, you know, mm. day three. Um, did all that. Ran with my other son to meet the ambulance. Um, scared to death because I just didn't know what we'd find when we got the ambulance crew to the, to sure, the place. Sure. Um, and, yeah, it was really tough. Um, so... He went into hospital um, and he kept him overnight for observation. And obviously at that point, then we were like, this is, this, this whole history of a few years of, of, of headaches isn't headaches. Yeah. Um, and because he, it takes a while to get diagnosed with epilepsy. Um, it can, you know, you can have a childhood fit for other reasons. Um, so we had to wait and go through that, that whole process um, to, to actually get to a point of diagnosis where he does have epilepsy. Um, and uh, it's taken us, it took us nearly a year to get the right medication for him so that he was seizure free because while I was still in that other job, I was getting calls from the school saying he's had a, he's had a seizure, oh, can you come to the school? Um, you know, and it was getting more and more difficult for me to manage because I would be uh, going to or from work and I'd hear an ambulance and I'd always, always wonder, is that going to the school to pick him up? And that's not helping the anxiety, is it? <laughs> no, every time you hear a siren, uh, you have a heart attack. Yeah, that's not, not ideal. Um, so, yes, so there was, we were advised, don't leave him on his own. You know, don't let him have a shower on his own or a bath without somebody outside the door. Um, make sure he's he's got a wristband on, make sure he's got a support network if he's at school on the bus. You know, one time he was left uh, with a friend though um, at the bus stop on the floor because, and you're just like, well, this is not, this is untenable. My, my work, frankly, was not as important as my wife's work. She's in the NHS. Um, and it was a no brainer. It's kind of, you know, your son needs somebody with him. When he gets home from school, somebody has to be there when he goes to school. Um, all those things. So clearly there was no part-time job available for me. Um, and so that was that. And I'm quite happy to do, have done that because mm. yes, it was a very challenging job and I wasn't sure how long, how that was going to pan out anyway. Um, although I was enjoying quite, you know, quite a lot of it, but it just pales in comparison to looking after your son. Um, so, you know, cut to a few months later and, and, and he is now seizure free, touch wood. Mm -hmm. He's had a few kind of threatening moments as such, um, but the, the drugs seem to be working and, and we, for the first time in a year, feel like a normal family again, instead of constantly worrying, where is he, what's he doing? You know, um, you hear a thump upstairs, it's just the door closing, it's not him hitting the deck, you know? Yeah. Um, so, um, so I feel like we're getting a little bit back to normal, a little bit. Um, and that really leaves me home dry in many ways, because I just haven't had time to think about what I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing. All I've actually done, and obviously with COVID on top of it, it makes it more difficult, is um, just sink myself into creative projects. I've been doing all sorts of stuff. Um, I built a, it's really nerdy, funnily enough, I built a joystick adapter uh, with some electronics at, um, for my um, Commodore 64. Oh, wow. um, made a case for it and all that stuff. Um, I did some prop building. I made some... Uh, I don't know. I, I did a display of different things, but I just keep keeping busy. And it's a strange period. It is a strange time. Baz faces true all stars. So I think this has become my. I don't want to say catchphrase because <laughs> it kind of loses the integrity. But I feel myself doing this. You asked me why I wanted to interview you. Let's look at the facts. In episode one, I interviewed Ria, who uh, uh, has uh, political aspirations. And uh, she basically mm. looks at the world and says, I want to help it be fair. She gives up. Uh, she, I, I want I everything to be fair and I want everybody to have a fair crack at everything. And she gives up her time and she campaigns and she continually has done so. In episode two, I spoke to Kayla, who 
uh, went so far in a career, uh, got sick and thought, I, I need to do something better, I'm not happy. I want to continue to help people. So she has gone to university. So she's put herself out of her comfort zone. Mm. Uh, episode three, I spoke to Cinder Williams, an actress who kept and keeps her integrity, which is very, very hard to do in the business that she is in, which is, you know, show business. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in episode four, we spoke to Hannah. Mm-hmm. Hannah, it, 25, worked three jobs just so she could buy a house. Not to live, mm-hmm. not because she was running up debts. She, she said, this is, these are my goals. I recognize this is what I have to do to achieve it. Yeah. So she didn't mm-hmm. go, uh, she didn't moan. This is what she's doing. In episode mm-hmm. five, I spoke to Darren. He was placed in New Zealand. He found his way back to Britain, reconnected with his family, which included mm-hmm. me, and is, you know, spends his life trying to motivate and spread positive vibes. He, he does that. He, he tries to look after everybody. Mm-hmm. So your episode now, Chris, you are an amazing creative. You have had this wonderful career so far. Uh, you have experienced things that pe- most people can only dream of. Uh, been in situations where people try to aspire to, but they never get there. You've got there, and you gave that all up to look after your son. Yeah. Do you understand why I'm interviewing you? Okay. <laughs> okay. You are. You are. A. Baz Faces. True All Stars. Does that clear that up for you, Chris? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Thank you for filling in the blank there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It does. It does a bit. I mean, you don't have perspective. If you if you do have perspective on your own life, you're weird, right? You'd have to be a robot or something to actually compartmentalise your life and then look at it from the outside. And, uh, and nobody does that really. And I suppose that's what you're doing here. It's very interesting for people to do. Very uh, reflective process. Um, uh, you know, um, nobody. Th- well, maybe maybe massive egomaniacs think of themselves in a different way, but you know, that's and those are the people challenge. I don't talk to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, uh, those are the people I don't approach. Chris, um, mm. now you're in this situation where um, you know you put a full stop on your career. Sorry, you put a comma on your career. Okay, yeah, um, maybe you've uh, got some kind of equilibrium at home. Yeah. <clears throat> What's and you know we're currently coming out of lockdown or trying to come out of lockdown. What's next for you? Yeah, that is a huge, huge question, isn't it? Um, I think that the, the only thing I can say with any certainty is more to do with what I've realised about myself in the last two to three years through everything um, than any kind of cold, calculated idea of what do I want to do next. That whole process of like, what do I want to do next is what got me into trouble. You know, Mm. being so regimented about, you know, what can I do? What should I do? And the thing I never said to myself was, maybe I should make myself happy. Maybe I should do stuff that makes me happy. I never really said that. Like, you know, I've taken all the jobs I've taken with these unspoken caveats in the back of my head. Like, you know, but will I find it exciting? Will I find it, is it fulfilling? Is it... So I, I, I do think that, you know, whatever I do, I have to have that creative box ticked somehow. And I think if I'm going to work for somebody else, and that is an if, um, whether I'll ever work for somebody else in that way, um, they would have to appreciate me from the strengths that I have. Um, and that sounds really sort of like self-centered in a way. But what I mean by that is all creatives need feedback. All creatives need to be told, you know, that's okay, but maybe that could be better. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, that's really good, good job. Or I can see you worked hard on it, but maybe we could do it this, you know, a creative person needs that input from somebody who understands creative processes. And I think quite a lot of business now is, is quite hard-nosed, you know. Um, it's kind of like all about numbers. And, and I understand that. I run a business. Of course I understand it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, you need to support your creatives with people that have 
understand that process. Um, you know, and I am, yeah, okay, shameless sort of tout for my 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 skills while I'm here. But yeah, I would love a job where somebody has actually read my CV, has understood what I've done, um, like parts of it or like most of it, and then say, we could use that guy. And we're using him for those strengths. Um, we're not just going to flog him to death <laughs> until he falls over. Uh, <coughs> but, you know, it's the creative industry, so I don't think that's going to happen, is it? So, well, I mean, I mean, also, uh, possibly... Um, and and I, I'm more telling this to myself. Don't apply for stuff where. See, a lot of creatives, and I guess younger creatives will probably do this as well because mm-hmm. it's so competitive. Um, they will go, well, I can do this, and this job role is nearly this, so mm-hmm. I'll go into that job role and go, but I can do this, and then wonder why they get spread thin. Yeah. That's that's sort of you know an, another yeah. variable. Totally. Creatives um, yeah. journey. But yeah, I think he got some, some clarity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A bit more, a bit more. I'm, I'm more willing now to say no to something before I start plowing into it. And, you know, it's very much my character to kind of uh, make a decision and then fly at it and just do it a thousand percent, you know, just yeah. do it. But I've, I've now, I've got to learn to slow that up process down when it comes to what I think is right for me, what, you know, what, um, what's going to work for me longer term. I don't really need these boom or bust type of career choices where it's like, you know, yeah, yeah go into that and do everything. Mm. And then, oh, no, I'm bored because it's USB ports again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I, don't, I can't keep making that mistake. I, I've got to do something a bit more um, that works with me and also works with the family because, mm. you know, although Zach's epilepsy is under control, I, I need to be there for him if anything changes. And it can change. You know, he's growing up. He might need different meds later. Who knows? Um, I, I just want to be, I don't want to be kind of like going cap in hand to a manager saying, please, please, can I leave? Because my son's had a problem. I just need, you know, a more modern um, sort of job, I suppose, where somebody's a bit more um, you know, fluid. Well, most sort of most people now work from home. And I think that will, yeah. that will spill over. It's like, listen, yeah. um, yeah. and, and I, I remember applying or I was, I got to really, really, really far into an interview stage with with a, a car company who needed a digital creative. Mm. And they were like, listen, if you don't need to be here, as long as you're logged on, or as long as you're, sorry, as long as you're hitting your deadlines, we don't care yes. where you work. Yes. There, there might be times where you come in for a meeting, yeah. you have to be physically present. And, yeah. and in the case of some jobs, it's like, okay, well, you need to do, need to be here to set up the shoot yes so you know you'd have to come in for that but that's once a month or whatever and um yeah i I think the world may have just adjusted Mm. to accommodate somebody like you who has Mm -hmm. these fantastic skills and to go okay do you know what stay at home but come to work yeah totally and i think that you know one of the things i said to my wife the other night was um i People saying, I hope we get back to normal soon with COVID. And mm. I'm a, I don't want it to go back to normal because I think that not just myself, but I've seen people, you know, value things that are on their doorstep a lot more, you know, the outdoors, going for a walk, um, their community, um, you know, okay, Facebook and social media is propping up people's connections during this time. But, you know, people have had to look inside themselves a bit more, I think, you know, kind of say, well, what's, you know, I can't go anywhere, I can't do anything, so what can I do? Um, and also work, you know, like you said, I think people need to, or companies need to change their attitudes towards work because, you know, back in the job where where I was working, where, where we met, um, you know, I knew all the cleaners' names because I was there so late, you know, and and you just think, well, that, that would be okay, being there late would be okay if you didn't have to clock in at the same <laughs> yeah. time the next, and like, yeah. you know, a bit more, you know, people need to be a bit more flexible, I think, um, now um, with all, all aspects of their lives, you know. To, to make things work and to make positive changes uh, to the way they live. Awesome. Chris, thank you so much for agreeing to be on my podcast. This has been just awesome. And I want to say enlightening. Is that the right oh, word? I, oh God, I couldn't possibly say that, but I, I yeah. would definitely say from my point of view, it's been really, I, I'm surprised um, and really happy that you asked me to come on. Um, humbled as well. Um, mm. And yeah, I shall reflect on it. And you know, your podcast is is really good. I really like what you do. 
I appreciate that. I appreciate that feedback. Really do. And um, yeah, we will do a part two at some point because I want to oh, know. God. Yeah, no, come on now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know everybody in the world. I will need to double. <laughs> <laughs> 1,000 people later. It's only certain, like, I know a lot of people, but not a lot of them are my friends. So, yeah, I need to <laughs> double part. But, um, and also, um, I said as well, if you set up a podcast, I'm there yes. for you, man. Well, you better put your geek shirt on then if you're going to do that. So. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to find something, like maybe get something made. So that's even geeky. Just like, so that yes. it sits above yeah. the line of the camera. Yes. <laughs> yes, actually, I didn't do that properly, did I? There we go. Yes. Well, a second. Uh, yeah. cool. Right, Chris, thank you for being on this show. I will speak to you another time. Thank you for listening as well. Cheers, Baz. Thank you. Next time on Baz Faces True All Stars. Okay, football versus cancer. We have the legend that is Des Walker. How you doing, my friend? Very good. People always go. I've heard of Crafty Cuts. I'm not sure where I can place him, but I know the name. Um, you're responsible for working with some of the most iconic MCs on the planet, my friend. Thank you. Who's the most iconic one you've worked with? Well, I mean, obviously Charlie Turner from Jurassic Park yeah. is pretty cool. Paul Canners Canneville. Mm. How you doing, my friend? I'm great. Nobody ring a bell because no, he will right. knock that's me the out. Yeah. Now, do you, do you know what? Uh, well, I think with boxing as well, is it's a time to be mean, but yeah. afterwards you're best friend. The black guy, just to be clear, with a bold head, yeah, that is Marcus Gale. He is like the father of the motherland of the Jamaicans, right? He captained our side. <laughs> you got feet like a gecko. I know, look at that. Baz Faces, true all-stars.